to She Rates Dogs, the podcast. I'm Michaela, and I'm Matt. And this week is a little bit different. Matt's not here for the majority of the conversation. My friend Julia Hava, who co-hosts Binchtopia, is actually hopping on the podcast to talk about the Tina Turner documentary, um, her story with abuse and her age in the industry. It's honestly such an incredible documentary. Um, it's on HBO, and her story is very inspiring. So we're super excited to talk about that. Um, Julia is a very wonderful person and friend of mine. She studied history and psychology at Brown University so she has really incredible takes on like the history of mental health and a lot of other things that we love discussing on this show um so yeah like let's fucking do it you guys I'm excited I want to get into the tinder bio Tuesdays I'm pretty excited about mine this week I'm pretty excited about Tinder Bio Tuesday. Um, I also, once you guys are in the future and Matt's no longer here, I do have one Tinder bio with Julia. Okay. So I, I just wanted to grace her with that. Um, you know, it's a good experience to hear these Tinder bios. Yeah. It's something so, that everybody should experience at one time in their life. Yeah. So I gave her the old razzle dazzle. <laughs> but I, I'm going to start us off with okay. Robert. Robert. <clears throat> Here to find a wife. If you stuck up and think you're God's gift, then you can fuck off. And if you've got no motivation for work and want nice things in life, you can do one too. I want someone who wants to achieve in life. I work too hard for any bullshit. And if you're stuck up on an ex, then you're just a hoe bag. Another thing, ladies. Nobody gives a fuck how many likes you have on Instagram. Comma, more to come. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part about this bio is that there's no punctuation (laughs) until he says, comma, more to come. Like, he's got so much more more to tell us he has some shit to say he wrote all of this out like a manifesto and said i just hit them with some facts i just spit the truth everyone's gonna love this and i'm gonna i've got more to tell them later on i also i don't like that he sounds so angry in it like he why is he so pissed off about everything I don't know. There are so many angry men on dating apps. And you know what? Honestly, maybe I should go on Tinder and like swipe right on these people just to ask like, what is the anger coming (laughs) from? Because I can't figure it out. Maybe we get like a little background about why they're so angry all the time. That could help us understand. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be nice to know. Um, I'm going to give it a negative eight out of 10. I'm going to give it a negative mm, six out of 10. Yeah, I'm just getting such bad vibes, and that's not really what I'm about no, these days. No, we are positive all... vibes only. Also, um, tangent, not a tangent, because it's just one one sentence that I want to throw in here. Um, my screen time is down 21% this week. I got a notification saying that. How many hours is it then? I don't know if... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's something I'm going to share. Although, um, it's down 21%. Well, I am proud about that. It's a... It's a little baby step. Wait, wait, wait. Before you do the Tinder bio, I do have a little other extra catching up thing that I want to share. Next week, I'm going to go off to you guys because I read half of this book called The Other Einstein and I found out that Einstein's first wife literally did his math for him and was a physicist and collaborated on um, like all of his projects. What? And she, and she wasn't credited or remembered on any of them. <gasps> and then he cheated on her and then they divorced and then he married his cousin and cheated on what? her. His first cousin, like, this bitch literally was born with the surname Einstein. That's how closely related they were. And he married her next. And he cheated on her too? Yes! So I'm going to go off about this next week, you guys. Stay tuned because I am going to finish the book and then I'm going to read their letters because that's another book that I bought so that I can get the facts. I'm pissed. Einstein, I'm, you better watch your back because we are coming for you. We're about to cancel Einstein. <laughs> You're, I'm going to... Anyone who uses... <laughs> <laughs> 
if I catch anyone using ice ties inventions, I'm gonna go at them. You do not want to see an angry Michaela. Stop giving platforms to abusers. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I just really had to throw that in. No, um, I like that. Well, I don't like yeah. that he did everything, but whatever. No, it's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um. So my Tinder bio is from a guy named Andrew. Okay. So he says, if you have a dog in your profile, there's a good chance I'll like at least one of the bitches in the pick. Feminists, liberals, and cop haters can get GTFO. Currently in school to become a peace officer, not looking to move out of Ohio, but willing to go just about anywhere in this state. I cuss and drink too damn much. I also refuse to be politically correct, so don't ever expect me to be. I thought he... I don't know. I, country Wait. accent, Ohio, didn't make why sense. Have we, why have we never done that before? Because honestly, so many of these men probably are have an country accent. accents. We should start exploring that a little bit. I think we should too. It would add a level to this. On my alpaca painting date, which I forgot to mention that that's what we did. We did, in fact, look at alpacas and paint them. The guy used a lot of random accents. And <laughs> I like looked at him weird. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I do that. And I was like, no, like... Matt and I do that all the time, so, <laughs> so it's like weird. He fits in. Oh my god! Do- I know. I think you'd like each other. Anyway, um. Okay, so my problem with Andrew, Ohio boy, right? Facts. He says he's not willing to go move anywhere out of Ohio, but anywhere in Ohio. But anywhere in Ohio. See, I understand mm-hmm. that if it's like Texas, New York, mm-hmm. California. You're in Ohio, buddy. Like, it cannot be that great in Ohio. Why is he so against moving out of the state? No, Ohio is not a fun place. I mean, I've never been there personally. I've never been there. But that's because why would we ever go there? Tell me one good thing about Ohio. I'm sorry if this offends anybody that lives in Ohio. I didn't mean it. But everyone else, they suck. I think they they maybe have a good song. It's like, Ohio. Uh, I don't know. Never mind. It's... (laughs) (laughs) Um, for for the reason of him not will, being willing to move anywhere else besides Ohio, I'm going to give mm-hmm. him a negative 9 out of 10. Okay. I'm going to give him a negative 8 out of 10, but there were also like a lot of other really bad things in there as right. well. Mm-hmm. So I, I that's part of the decision-making process. <laughs> um, wow, we got some some haters today. Yeah, we some, did. Some angry, some some angry, angry haters. Julia, um, what does your say? How was that? Was that good? <laughs> that was good. Uh, so <laughs> now Matt will be magically disappearing and you will hear from Julia and I. We're going to rant and stuff like that, et cetera, et cetera. You guys, this week we have Julia Hava from Binchtopia, the podcast, and Binch City on Instagram, um, a classic meme account that w- shits on men a little bit, kind of like me, right? I mean, it talks about flops, but also mental health. Um, you get into a lot of really cool topics. And if you listen to She Rates Dogs, the podcast, you know that um, I've referenced Binchtopia in like our last three episodes. So <laughs> I love that. So we're very excited. Um, we're going to talk about some of our thoughts on the Tina documentary, takeaways about that. But before we get into that, I do want to read Julia a Tinder bio. I'm so excited. Okay. I, I also on my Instagram have done a lot of looking at the stupid shit men do. I have a series called The Dumbest Shit Men Have Ever Said to Me. Mm. And so I, I've made like certain 
like memes of those but also I just collect them and I'm always astounded and I think that's kind of isn't it interesting how much there is yeah there's just (laughs) like and I never I'm never gonna run out of content just like you never will so that's really positive for us so good for us bad for the world and us in dating um this is Brian hey Brian Fun fact, I own over 50,000 stocks. I love to cook. Retired Marine, trying to figure out why women go for douchebags just to get their vagina licked when us good men will do it anytime, any day, and any place without asking. We do it religiously because we like it, not because you asked. Let's weed out the weak. I like guns and don't need to put my pronouns in my bio because I'm clearly a male. No, I don't care if either offends you. If it does, go smack your parents for raising a pussy. Brian <laughs> there's a lot going on there Brian, Brian does have a lot going on I like how there's just like this really strong middle section dedicated to like him liking to eat out yeah Brian's like I am gonna eat your pussy whether or not you like it yes I am you're a marine I'm eating your pussy right now as we speak I don't use pronouns I am a man and I love to eat pussy it reminds me of that he's um stocks he likes to cook it reminds <laughs> me of that image of like I don't know what it was like a meme image and it was like yes I am heterosexual I love big boobs and vagina i definitely do not like men gay people they are okay but nope not me i am not one of them I like, know what you're talking about. you know what i'm talking about yes absolutely his job is heavy equipment operator so he honestly might have some internal he's trying a bit hard here to like prove that he likes women and that he's just like a cis straight male mm-hmm. which always comes off to me as what do you hi- i mean that thing is just interesting because when i hear heavy machine operator my number mm-hmm. one thought is on any like medication bottle for okay. ssris it's like do not operate <laughs> heavy machinery so like clearly he is unmedicated <laughs> which is maybe not the best for him but you know his career doesn't really allow him so we can't operate we could never be in that <clears throat> career field um i think we could i think it depends on the medication if you're taking like certain um like more sedating medications i don't right. think you can operate heavy machinery we're both zoloft yeah but i don't think i would be good at it like i right. think no, i no, would know for sure fuck it up but i like to complain so if there's something out there that i'm legally technically not allowed to be <laughs> i'm gonna do probably it, yeah. start a start a fight anyway if you were to rate that on a scale of negative 10 to 10 where would you put that 10 is like this is good mm-hmm. i mean I don't know what the other caliber of like Tinder bios are, but I'm gonna for give me, it a negative seven. I'm gonna give it, yeah, I would give it maybe like a negative five, just because mm-hmm. I would give it back five points for entertaining me. <laughs> and you know what, like we do that a lot, to be honest. There's yeah. really no strong rating system. We often just cares to the wind with it. Um, let's get into the Tina Turner documentary. <laughs> let's let's you know kind of pivot from talking about heavy machine operating pussy to mm-hmm. you know famous singer Tina Turner. Absolutely, I actually yeah. didn't know that much about her before watching this documentary. She was yeah. a bit before our time. Obviously, yeah. I've heard of her. I've heard a lot of her songs, but I didn't know how iconic. And I didn't know how iconic. Was <laughs> I didn't know the scope of the icon. The iconery. Yeah. And also just like how um, unique her story is, mm-hmm. I think, compared to a lot of other people. And I think the um, spaces she opened up for a lot of people in terms of like her age, I think, was one yeah. of the most interesting things to me that I really want to talk about because she really had this second coming of her career 
when she was like mid 40s and then 50 she was like doing these huge tours and it was like one she found love at 50 and I think Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good lesson for a lot of women because we often feel we expire at 30 so true and that's clearly not the case yeah I felt super empowered um by it for those who haven't seen it not trying to like ruin anything I don't think it's really like ruinable since you can like google her but (laughs) Tina Turner is a extremely famous singer who was in um originally like a famous band uh Ike and Tina Turner and Ike was her husband so she was married to him Mm -hmm. and they were famous in like the late 60s and 70s but he was like incredibly abusive to her yeah which people didn't know at the time but she said something that I thought was really powerful in it is she was just like yeah there were some good times in that marriage but like none of that outweighs like how awful Mm -hmm. it was and that she was really being like held prisoner in that marriage and she had three kids with him I think um yeah so she two kids from him with previous women and then one between the two of them and one of hers from a previous marriage so there were four total so she eventually escaped from him and got out Mm -hmm. of that marriage which was like extremely harrowing and like so when she came out and then became a solo artist, everyone was always asking her, like, what about Ike? Like, what about Ike? And so to stop those like questions, because people mm-hmm. were always asking her, like, you were Ike and Tina Turner. What happened? You know, there's this great song, Working Together. I feel like that's a pretty famous one that they have. But people would always ask her about it. And she was like, OK, I need to just put out a statement or a book yeah. with my story so that people will stop asking me because it was incredibly traumatic. And so she came out with this book called I, Tina. Um, and she told the story of, like, how she was in this incredibly abusive marriage with this man who controlled pretty much every aspect of her life and kept her living in fear. Yeah, and I just want to say, even from the beginning, like, he changed her name. like, yeah. And then he trademarked the name Tina Turner mm-hmm. so that if she were to leave the band, he could replace her. Yeah. And, like, I'm pretty sure she didn't even have a say in him calling her Tina Turner. Like, that wasn't yeah. her original name. No, her original name was Anna May, mm-hmm. um, I believe. Yeah, so every aspect of her yeah controlled. and like they were obviously on tour together and everything so he would and they were working so hard all day long and so you know the the details of it are are very brutal but she went into that and thought that that was gonna you know stop the questions mm-hmm. and then she just kept getting more questions it about didn't it. stop yeah and there was then a really famous movie mm-hmm. and um with also, featuring Angela Bassett yeah, yeah and she was in the documentary as well mm-hmm. um and then Um, Broadway musical so there have been a lot and all of them obviously feature Ike and every time she's on an interview still like I wrote actually I wrote down some of the questions people asked her because it was really disgusting to me Um, I mean it's interesting because I don't know a ton about Tina Turner I but I remember I know Tina Turner and I know she had an abusive husband like that to me mm -hmm. is just connected in my memory with her and her husband is like, oh, that's the woman who had that like horrible, abusive husband. Right, which I think was also interesting because they were saying that at the time that she spoke out about it, it wasn't really something people talked about. No, people definitely not. Or women didn't really talk about sexual abuse or domestic abuse. So I think that that's part of the reason she's so associated with it is because she mm-hmm. really did change the scope of that. For sure. This um, is like way before the Me Too movement yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Interview people would ask her like, what do you think attracts women to bad men? What was the worst moment with Ike? Yeah. Like, what is the... Yeah, they were like, what was the worst thing he ever did Yeah, to you? like, let's relive, like, the most awful abuse he it's gave insane. you. insane. It was absolutely horrible. And I, the 
what do you think attracts women to bad men question is so ridiculous. And it was also a woman asking her yeah. this, which I mean, you know. well, it reminds me of, um, you know, the FK Twigs interview, which we talked about on oh, Bitchtopia yeah. about her relaying her experience, her abusive uh, relationship with Shia LaBeouf. And why she was asked, yeah, like, why didn't you leave? Mm-hmm. Which people were very upset about. But that was kind of like the questions like Tina was getting all the time. Yeah. And it was really just like almost like, like they were just trying to get the worst things out of her. Like, hmm, what was what was like the worst thing you ever did yep. to you? When were you the most scared? Like, the which is not an appropriate yeah moment. I think didn't FKA Twigs the interviewer like not want to ask her that, but she like had such a good answer for it that she wanted to talk about it. I think so. I think that part of what was so interesting about the documentary too was that I think that interviewers don't realize, or maybe people haven't realized until recently that like having to relive those memories like gives you PTSD like it brings back those memories and like can put you in a PTSD flashback so Mm -hmm. being forced to recall that like over and over and over and over again is like kind of just refreshing that trauma for her so it's not just like oh it's annoying and like it's a depressing story it's like PTSD is different from you know there's everyone has bad experiences in their life that they prefer not to like talk about that much but Mm -hmm. when it's PTSD it's like just something like even a smell or a sound can put you right back into that place where you physically feel like you are there again which is very different from just being asked you know like how was that experience you know it's actually like you're putting yourself in danger again every time you're answering that question yeah one thing I learned recently which I thought was really um strange and I didn't know before is that like if you try to face some of your traumas before you're ready like it can re-traumatize you and Mm. um for me I remember I made a tweet that was like one thing that's fun about becoming in your early 20s is that you finally start talking about your trauma but you also like make everyone you know (laughs) hear about your trauma and um yeah everyone has to kind of like talk about things and face things on their own terms but Tina Turner obviously wasn't allowed to do that um she thought she was going to be able to but then the story got so big they were saying it like wasn't even really her story anymore yeah other people really um took control of it but some of it was in a good way I remember there was a scene where she was on Oprah and she said that there were 50,000 letters from women Mm -hmm. who'd been in abusive relationships for her. Yeah. So it was like very, very inspiring for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's also kind of like a sacrificial lamb type inspiring because it's not fun for her to have to talk about Yeah, and she also didn't ask to be the spokeswoman for domestic abuse, which is a hard thing that happens with celebrities where regardless of whether or not they want to be you know, an inspiration to other people if they talk about an experience that's affected them. You know, like that's like the whole mm-hmm. thing where it's like Kendall Jenner struggles with anxiety. <laughs> like she's destigmatizing mental and health. Acne. Like, <laughs> yeah, because people think that like if a celebrity has experienced it, which in some de- to some degree, yes, it does normalize it. And I think Tina Turner speaking out about that, you know, in the 80s is like extremely powerful because mm-hmm. nobody was talking about it then. But, you know, now we still kind of have this idea that like if any celebrity talks about struggling, then that's like inspirational to the rest of us like yeah. plebeians. Also, I think she left her husband in like 73 and I'm pretty sure women were allowed to o- open their own bank account in like 71 or something yeah. like that. So there's also a lot of other layers to that that are so yeah. ridiculous. Um, when you think about just like women's rights and I think the actually 
the divorce rate has gone way up and like people are getting married way later. And I think it's just because women have rights. It's true. I mean, the reason why the divorce rates have gone up is because women can now open their own bank accounts and Mm -hmm. have their own jobs and like be independent from men before it was like, yeah, you just stay in this abusive marriage because how are you going to make it on your own? And Mm -hmm. she honestly like that was a really interesting part about the documentary where they talked about how she you know, got divorced from Ike and he basically got everything. He took everything. He got all of their items. Like he got the car. He got, I think like $500,000. She literally had nothing. He got all the rights to all their music. Yeah. And he also didn't pay child support. Yeah. Like I remember them saying she was making the money for her and her family. Ike was sending nothing, but he got everything. I was like, how is that even? And the only thing she asked to keep was her name Mm -hmm. because she was like, I, she realized she could make something from her name and with her influence and her talent. And so they let her keep the name. That's the only thing she got. And that was kind of a really beautiful part of the story where she was like, I'm going to reclaim this name that was like given to me by this abusive man and like turn it into something so much bigger than what he ever was. Make something without him. And she did do that. And that was one thing that really was like so clear to me in the whole documentary was just like the determination and like motivation that she had. Mm Mm-hmm to keep going and like work harder and like you said she was reaching like the peak of her fame when she was in her 40s and 50s yeah which is crazy because it's most women you know we are taught like oh you expire at age 30 Mm -hmm. um that was a big thing I wanted to get into because I also really thought it was impactful when she was talking about how her mother and father never gave her love like she never really experienced love from her husband from her parents until very late in life and I think the traditional role of like a husband and four kids and whatever is pushed on a lot of people is like that's what's going to make you happy but she technically did have all that and she still didn't have a happy life yeah until she was on her own and like kind of being able to Mm -hmm. do things for herself and then she eventually when she was I think 50 um met a man and I think she was like 60 actually I think yeah they got married very late she's 81 now 82 yeah I think they've been married since 20 13 or something yeah but they I think they had been dating for like 23 years or something yeah. before they got married but she got together with him like much later in her life yeah which I think yeah if we could just accept that things are going to happen to us on our own time we would be so much happier yeah I remember saying in one episode it's like if you settle for someone now like you could have met someone who would maybe be amazing for you four weeks later but you didn't want to wait and like maybe it's four years maybe it's six years but we're so scared of being alone and like expiring and not having the career happen by 30 and I think that this documentary if like those are fears that you have this helps a lot with those things well yeah and she also was basically like this man wasted my entire youth and And I'm Mm -hmm. not going to let that be the end of my story. Like he Mm -hmm. wasted all of the years where, you know, women are told like this is the only chance you have to accomplish things. And she and, you know, like she it it was very hard for she was a mother as well. She was only home like four months out of the year. Mm -hmm. And I think she felt like after she left Ike, like this was her opportunity to redo it and make a name for herself. And like that's amazing because there's so much like hope in that I think she was just so like grateful to be free finally Mm -hmm. and you know I think she could have taken that moment to be like I'm now just gonna suffer from like all that he put me through and really like 
uh, ruminate on that and 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 you know think that I'm worthless and all these things and like obviously those beliefs do persist on some level if you've been in an abusive relationship but she you know almost out of like vengeance was like I am not gonna let this man mm-hmm. like take everything away from me and be the end of my story and that I think is what like propelled her so far and she I mean she obviously is an incredibly talented singer but she was so motivated to make it to the top because he had held her back for so long and I do think that's like a critical part of her story like and she said like she's not grateful for that relationship and she's not like happy she was in it Mm -hmm. but that was her experience and without that like who knows where she would have been yeah she also I think found Buddhism as a I thought was so interesting yeah Um, which I also am super into spirituality Mm -hmm. right now and I think that's been a big part of like becoming happier for me as well um I fully think that I'm going to peak at like 40 I really think that I'm gonna be the happiest because I've found things even just in the last year where I'm like if I knew this when I was 19 I would have been so much happier like I truly think I'm constantly learning things that make me happier with my life and I think when you're in high school and when you're in college you think that that's supposed to be the best time of your life yeah and I'm really learning that that's not true now. high school is definitely not the no. best time of your life <laughs> I don't know worst. who the hell experienced that but it was not me no it's the worst I literally like I don't know it's because we're nostalgic and we look back and we're like oh yeah. we were so young and technically didn't have big problems but even though they weren't really big problems they felt so much bigger than my real problems now do oh my god I know and also it's like we place so much emphasis especially for women on youth and beauty Mm -hmm. and um you know Eliza who's my co-host of Binchtopia we've talked a lot about that in our podcast and how it's just you know women are are most desirable to men when they are like 16 years old yeah and you've seen the charts where it's like as men get older they're still only attracted to women who are like and women just continue to be attracted to people who are their age and it gets older as they get older I'm so curious about what that's from because I don't think it's like inherently a male thing because I think like for gay men they're attracted to older gay men no it's very societal it's very much like this is the standard of beauty and I think it's also like we take women off the screen when they're past a certain age have you seen that um Amy Schumer sketch I think it's Amy Schumer where they like send all the old actresses off in a boat like towards (laughs) the sea and they're like all right rest in peace like so bad you reach a certain age and it's like they don't stop putting like older men in movies like no. George Clooney, Sean Penn, like they're still in movies, doesn't matter how old they are and they're still considered handsome. But like it's the fact that they're never paired with women of their own age or like mm-hmm. older women. It's always some older man paired with a 19 year old. And so we almost think that like women don't exist after the age of 30. Yeah. And I don't even think that it's actually an appearance thing. I think older women are beautiful. I feel like they just they have this idea of like innocence and non-corrupted like because of society well it's like you haven't learned anything about how awful men are yet that's when men want you the most is when you are naive and don't have any standards right and or ideas (laughs) of how people should treat you and like now that people aren't getting married as young and women are actually like learning things before they get trapped i feel (laughs) they're like stop it you got to get them before before you got to get them before they learn those things i know the amount of men not having sex has apparently gone up 
like 50% in the Which is last why there's so many years. incels. And I was like, this is amazing because this is proof that like they shouldn't have, like women weren't wanting to really be with these people before, <laughs> but now they're just like not forced. Yeah, to. I mean, I think it's, I think that's so interesting about it. Like talking about, you know, what you learn with age as well, because what you said about like what you've, I wish I knew the things I know now at 19, like yeah. the standards that I've, and and that's the thing too is like, you really do have to be traumatized, unfortunately, in <laughs> unfortunately, order to learn. Sorry. And I wish that it wasn't that way for so many people. But mm-hmm. for me and for so many other women I know who have dated men, it's like you have to be traumatized enough times to be like, okay, I'm never going to be in a situation like this again. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what Tina said where she was like, I wanted somebody who was like completely different from Ike. Like I wanted him to be unpretentious and mm-hmm. kind and non-judgmental and all these things. And it's like, unfortunately for so many women, you don't realize what qualities are actually like appealing in a man until you've been traumatized by men <laughs> who you've been told, like these are the qualities you should look for. Like, oh, you want someone who's charming and like, you know, yeah. does all these big gestures and like goes all these links for you and it's like no actually like I really would just like someone who's <laughs> nice that's never but that's never what we're taught yeah, like we Prince do. Charming isn't nice that's not like yeah we focus on like the grand gestures like running out during a football game even though he treated her poorly the whole movie or like a Cinderella story yes. five. he's like I'm sorry I waited for the rain and she's like that's okay King it's like no it's not no they literally always did some huge grand gesture in movies but like we're kind of shitty the whole time and that's why men think that they can literally I mean that's literally what OJ Simpson would do every time after he would abuse his wife he would buy her like a giant piece of jewelry which is like what men think they can do they think they can just fuck up over and over again and then they do some big grand gesture like they do in the movies because that's exactly what (laughs) happens and then like the woman miraculously forgives them you know yeah and I think like honestly if we can get out of that um feeling like we need to be young to be attractive or whatever phase and like just feel good about ourselves. I think that our 30s and 40s will be so much better if we're not being yeah. perceived by as many men. <laughs> like, I think that I will honestly just like be chilling if yeah. men aren't fucking like harassing me on the streets and in my DMs sending me dick pics. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think I could actually be happier because not every man is like a piece of trash and only likes 19 year olds. So, like, There might be less options, but I think like the ones there are will be better. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing that people don't realize about raising their standards is they're like, well, if I have these standards for how men should treat me, then how am I ever going to find a man? And it's like, oh, there's just men that aren't pieces of shit and then you're choosing from that pool like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of men out in the world and like the number one thing you're gonna get by being like oh that's unreasonable is just ending up with men who suck because you're yeah you're not willing to even see if there are people out there that might hypothetically meet your standards yeah we get questions to our podcast a lot like how do I make it clear that I'm looking for something serious on a dating app without appearing crazy and it's like there are men who want something serious too so like just say you're looking for something serious and maybe like people will dm you but you'll waste less time weeding out the people who are literally just like wanting to hook up i mean i also do think in terms of that like you don't need to say you're looking for something serious on your dating profile to end up in something serious i think you should give answers that because i've gotten asked this question a bunch of times too Mm -hmm. you know you should give answers that are representative of you and you know obviously you can look at people's profiles and like hopefully they don't say offensive shit like all your tinder bio tuesdays but like you do have to actually like you can't get all of this on like the first encounter Mm -hmm. like you have to keep seeing how somebody acts over a consistent period of time which is something that people really don't like to 
to do because our brains don't like ambiguity and we would really like for you know somebody to just tell us how it's going to be immediately is this person good for me is this person not and it's Mm -hmm. like you do have to unfortunately sometimes you date people and they're not looking for something serious and then that's the point where you cut it off and stop begging them to like want something serious with you it's like you can't always figure that out right off the bat but you can save yourself a lot of heartache by being clear about what you want and not being embarrassed about that like Mm -hmm. there's nothing crazy or scary about wanting a serious relationship yeah and I also really don't like the advice of like playing hard to get or try to make them jealous like I really think that that's not gonna work you're if you do end up trapping someone who's not like looking for what 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 you actually are you're not going to be happy well I mean you there are people who can you know trap men and they're like oh he said he didn't want a relationship and I convinced him but it's like okay that's like saying like I want to watch someone do ballet like here's somebody who actually is a ballerina and here's somebody (laughs) who like I forced to do ballet like who's gonna be better at ballet like why would you want to watch somebody who's terrible at ballet because you're forcing them to do it it's like not going to be as pleasant of an experience for you if you just (laughs) that's so funny well because it's just like okay now (laughs) let me just not select the person who has no interest in doing ballet and is terrible at ballet and let me you know that sucks that maybe they're not the person that I want but like let me find someone who actually is like dedicated to like <laughs> doing ballet and is good at ballet like why would you want somebody who has no interest in that and no experience because it's like even if you do convince somebody like that to be in a relationship with you mm-hmm. inevitably like it's just going to be they're just going to be emotionally like withdrawn and they're going to be emotionally immature and they're not going to have the capacity for a relationship as somebody who is actually like emotionally mature and wants a relationship. Because they clearly weren't in real life actually ready for it and that actually takes a lot of different things to figure out about yourself. I'm dating right now and I did in fact send multiple men the attachment style quiz this week. Oh I love to do that. I make every man take the attachment style (laughs) Myers-Briggs. I want a recommendation letter from your therapist. Like what is your narcissist I need to watch out for the narcissism thing these days so tell me what the narcissism level is. Narcissism, the narcissism thing is pretty easy to look out for, though. I, uh, but the covert narcissism is something that we talked about the yeah. first time we hung out. And that's- I told Michaela that some people she she has dated might have been covert narcissists <laughs> yeah. and blew her and mind. And I immediately was like Googling it and sending you texts like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, but this one, the covert narcissist presents itself as like very insecure and very mm-hmm. much like asking you for validation and presenting all of these things for you to validate them on. But like more secretly thinks that they're better than everyone else and like deserves better than everyone yeah, else. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can kind of suss that out though, you know, like. and I o- can now probably. Yeah, now but that also that's a key it. thing of like so many people who are abusive in relationships are narcissistic Mm -hmm. and whether or not they actually have the diagnosable narcissistic personality disorder or they just have narcissistic tendencies like if somebody is only concerned about what affects them and like is always turning it back on how things affect them if you're talking to them about what you're upset about and they manage to turn it into like they're the victim in this story like it doesn't matter if you're insecure you express having insecurities like if you have this level of like I deserve the world and like Mm -hmm. I should get that regardless of like how I behave towards other people and like I'm always the victim and the Mm -hmm. world is always against me and like if I if the world wasn't against me like I would be so successful which Ike did have a little bit of that it felt oh definitely and we're not in the game of um 
what's the word when you give someone oh i'm absolutely in the game of diagnosing people <laughs> with <laughs> you know what i absolutely because he like wouldn't talk to people that he like didn't feel he was as um educated as yeah. i remember like and he would just sort of be like quiet and shy around those kinds yeah. of people but then take it out on his wife yeah and, and regardless of whether or not he was a narcissist i think that that's something that's very common in men who are abusive where all that abusive behavior comes from an underlying deep 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 sense of insecurity yeah where it's like i do not really know who i am or or what i'm worth and because i don't know and because i feel insecure about my place in the world i'm going to take that out on people who are mo- more vulnerable than me mm-hmm. and people who love me because i don't really know how to love anybody if you're that insecure and you're that damaged i mean that's the thing eliza and i always talk about as well like abuse begets abuse like if you are an abusive person you've probably experienced some abuse in your life yeah. and that's because I mean, I don't know if you've read Bell Hooks All About Love, which is... No, but I have it. I did have yeah. The Simp send me that book, and I have it upstairs. <laughs> I haven't gotten into it. I also got another book just because, um, well, Bell Hooks is amazing, and I there was, like, on the cover, it said that she recommends this book, so I got love, that book, too. Love, yeah. <laughs> no, well, she talks about in that book, you know, first of all, anyone who abuses you does not actually love you and abuse is not love it's just a form of control and you can see that with Ike and Tina like he he only loved her because he could control her and And it made him feel good about him yeah he he, saw it as his success not really hers yes like and he had complete control over her and that made him feel good about himself but like real love like first of all you have to be taught how to love and if you do not come from a family that loves you and that's what Tina talked about too you know Mm -hmm. how hard it was for her to recognize what love actually was because she didn't get that love as a child then you don't really understand you know what love is supposed to look like and I think that that's something that we all come to terms with as we get older like what was I given in my childhood and what do I want out of a relationship and sometimes we don't really we don't come into this world like inherently knowing what love is and knowing what love looks like. Like a lot of times we're just looking for something that replicates our early childhood experiences. And Mm -hmm. if we've had an abusive childhood, then abuse feels like love to us. Yeah. And that is kind of what, you know, Tina was, was talking about in that documentary. They see it as like something that they've kind of created and are a part of themselves now. Yeah. Um, And any like any disagreement with that gets met with violence. Um, but I, I, where we were talking about, um, with like your parents and, um, the interviewer asked that question of why do women like mean guys? And I was wondering if you think that that's even true. Do you think that like, I mean, I think for abused people that can be Mm -hmm. true just because they are used to it. Um, But do you think that women like guys who are mean is the like nice guy trope? Do you think there's some truth to it? No truth to it. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't think that women like men who are mean. I Mm -hmm. think that women, first of all, there are all these societal aspects of like oh, this is what makes a man attractive. Like if he's kind of aloof and if he's Mm -hmm. kind of like doesn't shower you with compliments, you know, so there's a societal aspect of it is like this is what is attractive in a man. Mm -hmm. And maybe there are some aspects of like not being too gushy, you know, because when a man is too emotional, it's like that's not masculinity. So I I think there's some toxic masculinity societal aspect of it where it's like this is what a man is and this is what's attractive. Mm -hmm. But I also think that everybody has experienced some sort of trauma in their lives. And when you grow up in an environment where the love you receive is also, you know, 
included with abuse or the love you receive is conditional and things like that, then it's not like, oh, I really like this guy because he's mean. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, sometimes he can be mean, but like that's my fault. And like sometimes he's really nice. Like people who are in abusive relationships are never like, yeah, he's really mean to me. They're always going to tell you about the times where that person is nice to them because that roller coaster of like he's nice and then he's mean is this intermittent reinforcement that Eliza and I talked about with our rat psychology right the rat psychology we've talked about that too because like those kinds of lows make even a crumb feel like a high so it's like drug addictions like it's not good for you people who are addicted to drugs don't think this is like healthy and great but like a lot of the time I mean that happened we get addicted to so many things yeah I mean I think that it's also that um you know, we, people don't think that they're deserving of unconditional love. I think there's yeah. this whole trope too, where it's like, this man, you you tweeted about that. You're like, this man was a piece of shit and he kicked everyone in the stomach until he <laughs> met me. And now he's like such a nice guy. Literally you know, it's every like, like hot guy in movies. It's like he hated everybody until he met her. He was so mean to girls. He, he like spit in, in any old people's mouths. Like he like spit in people's faces and kicked puppies. But, but when he met her, he started to smile at kids. Yeah. Like. And so I think there's that aspect of it where women think that if you just get love from somebody without having to work for it, then it's not really deserved or it's not a challenge and that, you know, it's a woman's job to change a man. And if you have to Mm -hmm. make him soft to the world, it's like Beauty and the Beast, you know, like she fixes him. He's Like having that magic to change a man makes you feel special. And then you deserve the love. And I think also related to that is, is this idea that when we don't receive unconditional love as children, we do think love is conditional. And so if somebody's mean to us, that's because we're not working hard enough for love. Or if somebody's being rude to us or abusive or cheats on us, it's because we did something and we need to fix that in order to get their love. And this is this whole Mm -hmm. idea that love is conditional and like it depends on our behavior. When love is something that we should receive from people conditionally, regardless of like I mean, unconditionally, regardless of like what we do and what mistakes we make, you know, your parents will always say to you or lots of people's parents will be like, oh, you know, like I would still love you even if whatever, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever, because that's what unconditional love is supposed to be. Not like, oh, I give you love and affection when you do what I want you to do, Mm -hmm. which some people's parents are totally like also like that's. I had an ex who had parents that did like the conditional love type thing yeah and he would always say like before we were dating that he like didn't trust people's intentions when they liked him Mm -hmm. and so there was like this mistrust unless someone kind of was shitty to him yeah because it's like what are you trying to get out of me yeah yeah like he didn't think that it was natural or normal and that like they were just probably trying to get like clout or something like that like if someone was Mm -hmm. just being nice I mean I see that in in my life I guess with anxiety because I am a very anxious person and I come from a very anxious family and for Mm -hmm. me like I don't enjoy having anxiety it sucks it like physically makes my stomach hurt like I my heart starts beating faster like it's not pleasant Mm -hmm. but when I don't feel anxious sometimes my brain is like what's wrong there's something wrong like what's wrong (laughs) you know because it's almost like such a natural state for me that even though it's unpleasant it feels like it's almost more dangerous to not be in that state because it's unfamiliar and Mm -hmm. I think that that's how lots of people feel which is why you get that like why did he he, like I I liked him so much and then he liked me and now I ran away it's like because it makes you actually uncomfortable to just sit with that feeling that is supposed to be pleasant but you didn't receive it that much so you are uncomfortable with it because it's like this feels wrong all of a sudden because I haven't experienced this so it, it seems like there's something suspicious here and that almost makes us more anxious than like 
not experiencing love. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, I think that's, that's you know, what, what Tina talked about too, where it's like, it's also a stupid question to ask people like, why did you stay in an abusive relationship? Because I have fucking childhood trauma, yeah. dude. Like, that's yeah. why. Like, that's why anybody. Because that's what my life has always been. Like Yeah. And, and if you have never gotten anything else, then you're not going to be like, this is unacceptable treatment. Someone should mm-hmm. not be treating me this way. It's like, well, this hurts and this sucks, but I've always been treated this way. Yeah. So I, sh- I can't even expect anyone to treat me better. I think that's what it is too and I think a lot of it is also making it about us like I think a lot of the times when I've struggled to get over somebody it's more because I was dealing with like oh well what didn't I have that could make them love me or like what was missing about me and then like as soon as you start making it like oh why is he mean to me all of a sudden like what did I do or like why why am I not enough to change this person like then you could be with a really shitty person that you wouldn't even like in a normal situation but because you've made it about you and your own like yeah faults and insecurities like and you're internalizing that like you're gonna be like still thinking mm-hmm. that you like them <laughs> yeah and that's the danger with romanticization which mm-hmm. I did a whole seminar on my patreon about about how dangerous romanticizing people is and the thing is like we do it because it's fun and it's yeah. like enjoyable and it's dramatic and it's a story that like you know this person is acting this way because of some deep thing and I did this and it's so complicated between us it's not as fun to just be like this person is acting this way because they're a shitty person and they don't yeah. care how they affect other people and they're emotionally immature yeah your emotionally immature boyfriend or ex-boyfriend or whatever is really not that great like you're great and you're projecting some interesting things on him yeah well it's also just like it's you kind of have to cut off the fantasy which is a hard part of growing up but I think something that's been integral to me Mm -hmm. um for you know learning more about who I am and what kind of relationships I want to have is like I have to stop romanticizing these piece of shit people and making it about like oh if I had only been this I had only Mm -hmm. been this then he would have loved me more it's like no it doesn't matter like that didn't work out because that person was not emotionally mature we're not going to make it into a bigger deal than it is like it's not that deep like it's (laughs) not some like fundamental flaw about me that there's something inherently unlovable about me like we are egotistical people like that's what evolution has made us to be we want to think that everything is about us like that's why when somebody like looks at you in public you're like oh my god I'm ugly or like oh my it's something on my face like I'm it's like Mm -hmm. it's actually much harder for us to realize that not everything is about us yeah and we don't have that big of an impact (laughs) as we think we do yeah other people just like have their own shit going on yeah it's really not about us as much as we think it is um you're a history major right I uh majored in history and psychology I did both okay because one of my favorite things is listening to you talk about history and I think that we should we should do one like a drunk history yeah that would be so fun um yeah Eliza and I did a a drunk herstory um we've done two of them one of them's out the other one's on our Patreon. I'm absolutely obsessed with the way that you talked about Typhoid Mary. <laughs> <laughs> that is on your Patreon. I would fully recommend. It's actually out now. We released it as a full episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was like, was that the one? There was like a little teaser of it. Yeah. Was it the George Washington? Yes, yeah, so it was. I was fucking crying. People listening right now are like, what are you talking about? But um, <laughs> she just we did a wouldn't drunk wash her episode. hands. Yeah, she wouldn't wash her hands. And everyone got typhoid. Yeah, it's, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it's so funny yeah Uh, I honestly like I did not retain history like dates I was in a push and I did not know anything Mm -hmm. um but listening to your drunk history I like finally understand when the revolution (laughs) even happened 1700s well I I yeah I mean I love history my dad's a historian Mm -hmm. so I 
have always loved history my whole life. And I specifically love the intersection between history and psychology because I think, um, you know, I wrote my thesis about the history of psychiatry and like psychiatric abuse against women and all can these I read things. It? Yeah. I, I mean, it's super long, it. but if you want to <laughs> read it, you totally can. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really interesting to learn about those things, especially because like so much has changed also in terms of the history of psychology and psychiatry, like what we've known about people, you know, like it, and, and the way that people work, like none of these things about abusive relationships were out at all. Like when mm-hmm. Tina Turner came out with with, you know, her story, there was not even like shelters for for battered women like this was only until like the 70s and 80s that you know there were shelters for battered women that there were even hotlines that you could call that you could file a restraining order against your husband like why so many women were diagnosed with like being crazy because we diagnosed with being crazy diagnosed (laughs) with being well i feel like there's a few different yeah no but that's basically or like diagnosed with being crazy yeah so like they would put these women in institutions but like because we didn't have all the context and I think um well also because just like it sucked but (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of the time like hearing about the way you talk about even like current mental illness and how like certain things have increased so much like depression and anxiety in our current like culture is very fascinating to me yeah and I think it's even with domestic violence you know some people when Tina Turner came out about that story might have been like oh what like that's just like marriage like your husband knocks you around a little bit that's marriage you know Mm -hmm. and now like people on Twitter will be like it's toxic and abusive if somebody doesn't respond to your text within five minutes which like (laughs) points but like also yeah I think that our our definitions of um, I mean, arguably, like arguably, that's always been abuse. Like it's never been okay to touch yeah. to touch your wife, put your hands on your wife like that. But Actually, it was more acceptable. Yeah, I mean, I watched um, Purple Rain with my dad this last weekend, mm-hmm. and um, Prince was literally like abusing his girlfriend yeah. in that movie. But it was like obviously he wasn't the villain. Like obviously yeah. that was so it was very recently pretty acceptable I mean it was very normalized and that is because women were considered to be men's property so if somebody was hitting a woman that was completely unacceptable if she was unmarried and it was or it wasn't her husband if it's her husband that's a between them that's her that's his property right he gets to do whatever he wants in that situation I'm pretty sure it's still even legal in some states like it it can't be considered rape if yeah married so that's still oh my god the idea of marital rape is is so new the idea Mm -hmm. that like you can even cons- like consent or not consent to something within a marriage. And similarly, yeah. I think there's been so much, this is obviously like much lesser, but you know, just talking about gaslighting and emotional abuse in relationships has been something that I've talked a lot about in mm-hmm. the past couple of years. And I think lots of people have talked a lot more about than ever before, where I remember like, the biggest experiences of of like sexism that I had in my life were my first relationships with men. Like I had yeah. never felt the ex- the effects of sexism like so strongly as I did when I was in relationships because I just mm-hmm. saw like, oh my God, men like don't respect women and they like don't think women are people. And like they yeah. don't think women have feelings. And there are all these things about it where like, there are things that men do that are completely unacceptable but they're just normalized the way that like hitting your wife was normalized like Mm -hmm. it's completely unacceptable to like make comments about like your girlfriend's body and like in neg her and tell her that like she can't have male friends or like Mm -hmm. go through all her text messages and like monitor her location and all these things that are like you know controlling behaviors that are 
warning signs of more abusive behaviors. And those specific behaviors, like reading text and jealousy and all that, are still to this day very romanticized on Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's really romantic if a man, like, finds your address and comes to your house. Like, Twilight, all of those. Like, the extreme jealousy is very romanticized, but that also is a very telltale sign of abuse to come. For sure. And I realized that because I remember I was talking to... um, I, I was telling my boyfriend like oh I have to talk to one of my friends about like this merch stuff and he's a guy he's a straight man mm-hmm. and my boyfriend like has no reaction to it and I kind of a little bit was like oh so you like don't even <laughs> like you know like you don't even so you're not even not, nervous you're right not now? even nervous and then I'm like wait like that's society speaking to me because it's yeah. actually so great and such a good sign that he trusts me and doesn't think that there's any no, issue with me talking to another like, man and like healthy. I don't but but that's something that we romanticize and it's like yeah. oh if he doesn't get jealous then like what's wrong with him you know it's not cute but I think that that's something that you know we didn't I think a lot of women now are like oh I wasn't in, a, in an abusive relationship because he never put his hands on me but it's mm-hmm. like if a man is like doing other things to you and like screaming at you and calling you a bitch and like even shoving you or like being too rough with you in certain mm-hmm. ways or like there are all these things that that we don't consider abusive because they're not physical abuse, which wasn't normalized in Tina Turner's time is now, yeah. you know, now considered to be much more problematic now than it was then. But I think we have to do similar things with like relationship abuse emotional abuse because there are so many things that are really damaging that we don't talk about that have just been normalized as part of relationships you know even the fact that women do so much emotional labor for men <laughs> or just the disgusting things like men don't we're fucking take a shower therapists. yeah we're all part-time therapists we have to tell our boyfriends to take a shower and like how to do laundry and these Literally. are remnants of like 1950s housewife shit where like the women are responsible for like managing the man's entire life Mm -hmm. and that is not something that women should be expected to do relationships should be an equal partnership where both people feel safe and comfortable and nobody's like living in fear of the other person yeah I literally tweeted a few days ago like if you start dating someone and immediately like your self-confidence goes down that's not a coincidence and that's like it happens a lot in relationships that are abusive but not physically or sexually like yeah if you're just like feeling like shit about yourself that is not good that is abusive like yeah. and it's probably not a coincidence and I'll post on um she writes dogs a lot of the time and like get responses or dms that like the replies to my posts being like this is so bad this isn't okay made them realize the way their boyfriend was acting Mm -hmm. wasn't okay well that's what i've done too yeah yeah because they're seeing other so many people be like this isn't right and like I think social media is a lot now, like a little overdone when people are like, "Eh, Mm -hmm. he doesn't text you back. But it's really great that like people can't isolate their partners as much now Mm -hmm. from outside opinions because accounts like yours or mine are like, and then the replies and the communities that come along with them are making them realize that these things aren't okay or normal. Absolutely. And I think, you know, my straight male friends, like having heard me talk so much about things, like I think they now consider, you know, they are more conscious of like the actions that they take and the things Mm -hmm. they say, which they should be because if you care about women and you care about your relationships with other people, then you should just listen to what people have to say. But I do think that, I mean, obviously there's always going to be people who are like, it's really toxic for like, I don't know. It's just so funny when people say that (laughs) because it's really not the majority of people. I think a much larger issue is that people don't know that they're in emotionally abusive relationships. But Mm -hmm. I I think the effect of being in a toxic or abusive relationship is is the same kind of the end result 
regardless of what you're put through, which doesn't mean that like some people aren't put through physical abuse or sexual abuse or things that are, are horrible. But when you are in a relationship like that, the end result is that you feel very small and you mm-hmm. don't have confidence and you feel broken down and you feel scared to say certain things to your partner. Yeah. And regardless of, of whether or not any hands were put on you, like if you feel that way at the end of a relationship, like that's an abusive relationship. And mm-hmm. we need to stop normalizing that as like, oh, well, you know, he never hit you or he never did this so like that's fine Mm -hmm. because it's not okay and that doesn't mean that we have to like demonize people and be like you know there's something like because I think there's not as much education about it like I think there are lots of men who just don't I don't think every man who is emotionally abusive to a woman like is like I'm being emotionally abusive right now yeah because I mean if they're doing those jealous things for example Mm -hmm. like they are being over controlling but they probably don't realize like they also probably think it's normal yeah and because they, it's shown as normal of course like not letting her have male friends or looking through her texts like that's in a lot of television and media so i'm not saying that's good but no but if it was presented as like this is an unacceptable just like it's just as unacceptable for somebody to put their hands on a woman like yeah. it's just as unacceptable for you to coerce somebody into sex or or be incredibly jealous of them like I think we we as a society have to make that more clear because when the societal narratives start to change and we stop putting in romantic comedies like when it's so cute that your boyfriend <laughs> punches out another guy for like talking to because you're talking to someone at the bar like that's not cute and when we as a society like make that known which I think in part the more people share their stories because I don't think you know regardless of whether or not Tina Turner wanted to be like the emblem of like domestic violence Mm -hmm. that inspired so many people to leave their abusive husbands or talk more about their situations of abuse and if we don't share our stories and we don't talk about those things then like no other people can really come to that conclusion about their own life yeah and she had this one quote that I really loved when she was still with him but like on the precipice Mm -hmm. of leaving she was doing a show and this isn't an exact quote but she said I want to talk about respect because that's what I want we don't always get what we want especially women the men always manage to get what they want they do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it with whoever they want to do it with now us women are starting to think that whatever's out there on the streets must be good because your man's been out there a long time now us women want to go out there and get us some too (laughs) and she did that while she was on stage with him yeah like in a concert I was like queen this is such a good turning point and she also realized that like part of her her buddhist you know introduction and like reckoning was like this man is not more powerful than me and like Mm -hmm. I am powerful and I'm not scared of him anymore like yes he can like hurt me and do all these things but like I don't have to live in fear of him and he's not in reality more powerful than I am in fact he's much smaller and weaker for like behaving this way and I think when you realize that that it's not this like monster who's taking it out on you this like demonic monster man it's like this is just a dude and he has a lot of fucking issues and you don't don't romanticize it like that like don't make him into some demonic monster like it's not even that cute like Mm -hmm. he just has psychological issues and like needs to go to therapy and you don't need to be there for that like it's Mm -hmm. not this like black and white issue where like you can fix like a a, a, a demon and like make him into yeah. an angel like and I think she had that moment at the end of the documentary she was like I realized he was just really sick yeah and I was and yeah I mean and I think that's where you get to when you and that's what she said too like forgiveness is not 
being like, oh, cool, we're on great terms. It's just about letting Letting go go Mm -hmm. and not holding on to that resentment, which I think is how I feel about lots of my relationships where it's like, I don't hate you. I have absolutely no desire to talk to you. And I like pity Mm -hmm. you because you have a lot of, (laughs) some of you have mental (laughs) illness and you need to get it checked out. (laughs) That's how I feel about that. And we cannot relate to that. (laughs) No, but it's, it's, no. I think that's like a part of, you know, you have to understand that people are people. They're not monsters or demons or Mm -hmm. these larger than life figures like they're just a person like you who is severely damaged and they don't have any more authority to take out their shit on you than like you do on anyone else I love this like Finchtopia moment where we're into the nature of good and evil yeah well we always have to be (laughs) (laughs) on Finchtopia we always have to get into the you know extreme philosophical issues yeah (laughs) about good and evil and like black and white (laughs) I love it well I mean I think that's interesting because like you you think about Ike Turner and it's like what a piece of shit like evil evil man and it's like Tina doesn't see him that way. She sees him as like a very sick person because Mm -hmm. he was a person and to call him like an evil, evil man with no humanity almost gives him like this credit that's like, well, he's not even a human. And it's like, no, he was a human, like an extremely disturbed and sick person who needed to work on who he was. Like this isn't something like Mm -hmm. inherent to who people are. Like it's something they can work on and it's something that they can, you know, work to ameliorate the effects that they have on other people. Yeah, I think I would have a much easier time feeling that way about people who wronged me versus like someone I care about. Like I don't think I could ever have that um full beautiful forgiveness for I mean I think it's up to everybody how they want to forgive and if you want to hold on resentment forever like like Tina's thriving yeah but also like I don't think there's anything wrong with holding on to resentment or holding on to that or like seeing whoever in whatever Mm -hmm. way you need to see them sometimes in order to break up with someone you do need to see them as like completely evil yeah you just end it (laughs) well there's all of those stages of grief I go through that too like when I was going through my breakup I was like okay wait actually he really fucking sucked for xyz and like i was super mad for a while and then i was like whatever well i think in order to get out of it you kind of have to see them as evil and be like they're evil here's all the things they did to me and then once you're far enough away from it then you can kind of process it and be like they were a person i was a person we both made mistakes they were kind of low-key emotionally abusive to me though (laughs) so i didn't really make as many mistakes as they did (laughs) but i was actually kind of like awesome i was kind of like really good to them and like i didn't deserve that but you know you get to that point where you can see it you know, you know, with more gray area. But I think in order to get out of a certain relationship, like you can't be giving your abuser all this empathy and sympathy. It's like, oh, they're just a person. No, you know what? If you want to see him as evil, see him as evil, get out of the relationship (laughs) and then go back and like think philosophically about it. See him as like a small little evil like gremlin, like an evil little ant. Yeah. Not like a big, strong evil. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it's just like pathetic. Yeah, exactly. It's just very pathetic. And like write down all of their flaws. That's what I always did. I literally... I remember not my most recent breakup, but like one before that, I saved like the worst photos of him. Yeah, it. So you have like, to write down like the most embarrassing things they did where it's like he went to like ask the cashier for ketchup and he like <laughs> didn't know how to do it. Like awkward shit like that. And also when you see all those things written down on a list, it's like, you know, this person did this to me and called me this. It's like, mm-hmm. this is actually just disgusting. And like, I would never want to be with anybody who did these things to me. And if you don't write them down, they can kind of just be floating around in your head and you remember the good times more. But when you see the bad things like 
on paper, you're like, ooh, that's pretty yeah. bad. Like, that looks pretty <laughs> bad to anyone who's not me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, you start actually telling your friends the actual details and of things like, they did. And they're like, that's extremely fucked up. And they're like, wait a minute, Michaela, you didn't tell us that was going on. And I'm like, oops. <laughs> I also think if you don't tell your friends the details of your relationships because you're, right. you don't want your friends to hate your significant For other, <laughs> then maybe that's not a great you relationship. You may have points. Yeah, if you're, like, having to keep it away from all of them and you're like always having you can always tell when someone's in a fucked up relationship because they're like oh well you know he like he does this and it was like really fucked up but he's like so amazing and like I love him so much and he's like so mm. good and it's like what about that thing you just said before like you really started, quietly like, yeah, it's like I mean, he just like is like a piece of shit and, like cheats on me like every single day but like otherwise he's like amazing like I love him it's like you don't have to sell me your boyfriend like right. I don't want to date him so if you're having to go around like the traveling salesman <laughs> no. like, advertising your boyfriend to all your he friends he is such a good man it's like I don't believe you why are you saying that like you you seem like you're trying to convince yourself that by saying it out loud yeah but not every man is a flop and your your current boyfriend and his friends have been really nice yeah I don't know him them obviously that well they're so, nice boys but yeah it's been nice um meeting them and no like I don't know but what Tina said about like the not having the same kind of ego and like I do have a problem where I need to stop dating guys that like <laughs> have egos and you need perhaps- to stop dating guys with social media following right the ideal man has less than a thousand followers on any no exactly that's exactly what I'm looking for now and it's very refreshing because I used to be like oh successful like yeah of course I want to be with someone who's like successful you can be successful in ways that are not whatever (laughs) you know there men on the internet some of you know I'm like I don't trust straight men who are popular online I'm like you're so right what do you that that trauma is just going to be taken out on a woman like the the girls and gays are like just posting about their shit and not taking it out on other people but regardless like I I do think it's easy also to get into this mindset where you're like fuck all men there's no good men in the world all men are pieces of shit which like girl I get you like I get where you're coming from but like if you say that you first of all are still going to keep dating men and you're just going to date pieces of shit because you think it doesn't matter it's like nihilistic dating (laughs) like don't be a nihilist about dating like there are people out there there's bad people of all genders there's bad people everywhere but there's also good people everywhere and like you said at the beginning of the episode like if you settle down with someone who sucks like you are denying yourself the opportunity to meet somebody Mm -hmm. you know like and now Tina's in like a wonderful relationship with a man who like really loves her and is really kind to her and like she I'm so happy that she got that because when she was talking earlier in the documentary about like never having had love it's Mm -hmm. like everybody deserves that and nobody should settle for anything less than that yeah so like to sum everything up don't settle don't settle <laughs> you guys you know if he's a flop like yeah. you can tell because Deep it's like down if there are details you're keeping out from your friends he always makes you anxious if you're not feeling very good about yourself but you kind of used to feel a little bit better about yourself if you are always like going back to like the two or three like really good moments that you mm. had and the rest of it you're just <laughs> trying to like discard and you're like yeah you're like on waiting those- for the good moments again instead of just like all of it being all of it being good good. well I mean relationships are complicated and you're not only gonna have great amazing flawless moments but if like your first three dates were like the best part of your relationship (laughs) and it was all downhill from there like queen 
you did not change him. You don't have to win him back. He just got tired of pretending to be a nice person. Mm, yes. That's my biggest tip because people always think like, oh, well, like he was so amazing at the beginning. I must have done something to make him change. It's like, no, he no. was he took off the costume. Yeah, he was tired of being in the costume. <laughs> he was just like, OK, I got her now. You, like, you got this her. This is exhausting. Ladies and Show's gentlemen. Show's over. You oh, no. <laughs> and also Tina Turner is amazing. Um, I was really inspired because you get to your early mid 20s, whatever you technically call being 24, and Oof. you start to think about aging. I need to get Botox. And like, <laughs> I, I don't know. We're so young, and like, it doesn't even matter if we're not. Like, I do not care about the opinions of high schoolers. And when I'm 35 years old, I'm probably not going to care about the opinions of 22 year olds. Like, yeah. I, I just think that we change with our communities we and do. like the people that we respect are aging with us and like the people around us and whatever, whatever you're doing, just like don't don't think that this has to be the best time of your life. And I think that beauty matters a lot more to us when we're younger. Yeah, and when we get older. And you know what? So we're I, so scared of losing it, but it's just yeah. not even going to matter to it's us not. as much. I think the best part of the documentary is when Tina goes to her musical premiere and she's like, this is the last public appearance I'm doing after this. Like nobody talked to me again. Mm-hmm. Nobody contact me. I don't want to do this anymore. And now she gets to be happy. And I love that because I think for so many, I mean, she had this amazing career. She obviously like had all this fame, but like, mm-hmm. I do think we have this illusion that like, that's the peak of your life when like the peak of Tina's life really appears to be like her happy with her husband in Switzerland, just chilling in their house. Away and not being Away perceived. not being perceived. And like, you can have all these wonderful career moments, but ultimately like being the most successful person in the world isn't going to make you happy I don't know in itself it was some famous man there was like a quote he was like I think everyone should become famous and rich just to realize that that's not what's going to make you happy yeah and it's like well yeah we need to realize that without getting famous and rich. well everyone wants to try it out and but, be like okay I know everyone says that fame and money doesn't bring you happiness but like maybe it'll be different for mm-hmm. me but that's the thing is like you don't need to I mean, Tina was go, and you know this about celebrities. Everyone does. Like celebrities are famously fucking miserable, unhappy. famously unhappy. <laughs> but now I'm so happy for Tina. She had a hard life. She had an amazing career, and now she just gets to relax in Switzerland with her husband yeah. and her pets. I don't know if she has pets. I feel Maybe like she does. Could could have pets if she wanted them. And, she has a beautiful home. And she gets to just explore Buddhism and just live a peaceful life. And like maybe that should be our goal more than anything yeah. else. More than like filling Madison Square Garden. Like <laughs> just live happy and peacefully. I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad she did because it like got to do it out of spite. Yeah. And she, <laughs> and she was a legend and she was a girl boss for that. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much, Julia, for coming on the podcast. Um, um, plug your socials of course thank you guys so much for having me and listening to me um i'm binge city on instagram binge city on twitter i think i'm binge city on everything but if you want to listen to my podcast called binge topia mm-hmm. um uh me alongside my co-host eliza mclam we talk about psychology and history and mental health and all these things i don't know so many great things do you have a favorite episode mm, i really like our our episode that we did corporations or people too but that one i was think really good i think that what relates the most to this that we just talked about is gaslighting mcqueen where we talk about mm-hmm. emotionally abusive relationships and abusive relationships in general um i also have a patreon where i make videos about psychology and all other sorts of things that's patreon.com slash binge city so yeah thank you guys so much for having me all right so thank you for tuning in you can email us at she reads dogs pod at gmail.com 
You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at she rates dogs pod. Our individual handles are in the bios there. And you can call us at 929-274-3261 if you have any questions. Love you. Bye. Bye.